We're on. Morning. All right, well, very good to be back on here at Refresh. Um, good to see your faces. Good to see a few new faces once again at Refresh, so that's, that's pretty cool. Um, so we've started off with the introduction, and we have started off with us talking about spray and wipe. And so we've sort of, um, we've sort of, you know, we've had a bit of a build up to this. We have begun to, uh, you know, so it's no, it's no sort of, no sort of surprises as to what we're going to be talking about today. Um, has anyone, has anyone not been surprised, you might say, has anyone like looked at the TV at an ad for a cleaning product? Now I'm going to have to say right from the start here, and I know this is not as good as the stuff you've got, all right? So I'll just put that out there right from the start. So we're talking about these harsh chemical cleaners, Anna, not those, you know, pure Norwex stuff, all that sort of thing. So that wasn't the plug. She didn't ask me to say that, okay? But, you know, there's no commercialism here happening at church. Um, has anyone ever looked at the ads on TV and, and the promises that are made uh, by, these, by these advertisements that are just like, you just look at them and if they by chance worked, even maybe 50%, to what they said, you, you'd think, wow, that's a great product. You know, you have all these different things. They might be bathroom cleaners, they might be kitchen cleaners, they might be floor cleaners, it might be car cleaners, whatever it may be. And, and, and it's always promises that there's going to be very limited amount of elbow grease, there's going to be very limited amount of rubbing and, and scrubbing, and it's just, it's, it's natural and it's never going to hurt you, and, and it's just, it's the best thing that's ever come across, and you will be uh, incredibly um, benefited by using this product. And, and you know, if you look at, you look at this, we, we're talking spray and wipe, so we're talking about how do we get rid of stuff? And that's what this series, we, we've got a week, three week series here about how we get rid of stuff in our lives. And, and if you look at the old spray and wipe bottle, um, you know, and it's, it looks pretty fancy, it looks pretty, you know, nice, nice cool graphic there. Um, five in one multi-purpose, it has all the, you know, has all the, all the things here that we'd be looking for. Kills 99.9% .9 of germs, cuts through grease, that's perfect, you know, we're looking for that. Lifts stains, like, what, is there something this thing can't do? Um, lasting shine ref and a fresh fragrance. I'm not sure about the last two, that seems a bit weak, but that's alright, but the first three aren't too bad. Okay, and then you go, and then you turn it over and you think about it, you read the back here and it says kills 99% of germs, and here's the germs that it kills. And it just starts listing off all these scientific names that I have no idea, but I'm going to have a shot at saying them. Salmonella, E. coli, uh, Staphylococcus, I made that up, sort of, um, Campylobacter, yeah, I really am making these up now, um, Pseudomanus, something or other, uh, a strep, Streptococcus, something. All right, so it's good, right? It's good stuff. Now, it's just probably alcohol, because that kills everything, like, you know, but let's just, let's just give it credit where credit's due. But the thing that I am interested in, the thing that I'm interested in, right, is, is the instructions. And this is, where, and this is where it sort of comes together, okay? So it's got the product. The product is, like, wonderful. It's, it's the best thing that you'll ever come across, except for noise. And it's, um, it's really, really easy to use. Now, here it says, ready? Wait, wait for it. Wait for the first word. Simply. Spray onto surface, then wipe clean with a damp sponge or cloth. Hear that? Simply. That's beautiful, isn't it? So just after you've had a major catastrophe in your kitchen, and everything's just gone absolutely fair shape, and there's burnt stuff everywhere, and like the kids are in the middle of it or something, I don't know, just simply walk in this spray and wipe, and just spray a bit of this on, and actually, it's got a few further instructions for stubborn stains, wait for it. It says, for stubborn stains, leave for up to 20 seconds. 
I mean, that's how good this is, right? 20 seconds. We can spray this on, mate. The most you'll have to wait, 20 seconds, and then just, and just wipe it off. Damp cloth or sponge. Mate, you are, you know, you've, reached, you've reached everything you need to clean up, even the toughest stains and, and, the, and the biggest messes. A little bit unbelievable sometimes. All right, I don't want to knock the old spray and wipe. Um, you know, like I said, there's no commercialism here, but sometimes when we talk about life, we have a lot of mess going on in our life. Sometimes there's stuff that happens to us uh, and to others around us that gets a bit messy and it gets a bit painful and it can hurt and, and, and a bit like, you know, a bit like the, um, you know, the, sometimes in the, in, the, uh, in the bathroom, you know, on the shower screen, you know, that sponge, that soapy sponge that just builds up over time. Like you think you've got it really perfectly nice and you think, well, what can go wrong in the bathroom, in the shower, in the bathroom because isn't it a place where things get clean? Right? But there's this scungy stuff that, came, that seems to build up over time and, and you get that soap scunge on your shower screen that you know, used to look like really clear through and now it's like this frosted sort of colour. Particularly if you've got little kids who like just some reason just like to put soap on the, on the shower screen all the time. They just like to wash it but then they just leave it there to dry and it's just like over time it just gets worse and worse. So sometimes it can be a gradual process and build up. And other times it might be like the kitchen boil over uh, where, where you, know, you put something on the stove You've got something cooking away, you're thinking this is going to be a nice, you know, a nice dinner or something similar. And then the phone rings or there's something interesting on TV or for some reason you get called out of the kitchen. And then you think, what's that smell? And you realise the pot's boiled over, everything's just gone, you know, and there's, there's, there's smoke and then there's burnt things. And if you leave it for too long, it's fire and charred remains and, and all sorts of stuff. But spray and wipe can do that, you can fix that. But there's some messes there's some messes in life that seem to be a little bit more difficult than others to clean up. All right, yeah, sometimes, yep, I think, you know, you, your bench top just looks a bit dirty, bit of spray and wipe, away you go, beautiful. There's other times where, you know what, it's got to be a pretty hard chemical to get rid of this. In fact, I, know if, I don't know if you've ever had to, you know, when you clean your oven, you know, the oven gets really, if you haven't done it for a while, it gets really greasy. And, and there's some of those products, you go, to, you go into, you know, the supermarket or Mitre 10 or whatever, you know, that sort of hardware places, and you see these products that, that say safe, you know, that say this will never harm you or your children, because they always like to play on the children thing. Um, it will never harm you and your family, you and your children. I can tell you that stuff doesn't work. All right, you want to go for the stuff that says may cause injury or death. All right, that's, the stuff, that's the stuff that you want to be spraying into your, into your oven because otherwise you will be there for the next 15 days trying to think, oh, maybe it's a little bit cleaner than last time. Like, there are some messes that are just a little bit harder to clean up than others. And it goes for the same in our life. There are some messes in relationships and, and some things that happen, whether it might be a personal relationship, is in a friend, a partner, or it might be a work-type relationship. There are some relationships that it's just a bit harder to clean up than others. Um, forgiveness is an interesting concept because when, we are, when we're children, and you can think back to when you were a child, and I could pretty much guarantee that everyone has been through this process, and now if you're a parent, uh, and you, you're repeating the process over and over for your children as well. And that is, that is we are taught to forgive. In fact, we are told to forgive, which when you think about that, it sort of it's a little bit hard to get your head around. But, but let's say you've got two, two you know, when you, when you were a young person and you had maybe a brother or a sister and, you know, your brother and sister, particularly the younger one, um, they've come up and they've, they've snatched something of yours, okay? They've, they've flogged a, a ball. You were playing with that. And, and the sort of the argument goes along 
the lines of, you know, well, they, you know, there's tears and there's crying and there's mum and dad and they stole my ball and, well, you weren't playing with it and, well, I had it first and, well, it's mine anyway, but then you said I could borrow it and there's all this just back and forward stuff going on and say, whoa, 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 you know, this is, this is over a ball, right? There's four balls sitting over here, but they want the one, right? They want the one that just, they're all, anyway. And so you say, no, no, hang on, stop. Okay, now listen, whose ball is it? Okay, now look, you can both play with the ball, but I want, no, you can, and so you sort of start to try and play and sort the mess out. And then you say to the kids, or as a kid, your mum and dad would have said to you, now say you're sorry. Right? You like that? And you go, sorry. And like, yeah, it's like, you know, you're not sorry at all, right? Like you just, you are not sorry. And then mum and dad hang on, and they pull you up on and say, no, no, you've got to look at their eyes and say you're sorry. And then you think, okay, now the, the stakes have been lifted a little bit, it just the bar's been raised. So you look at their eyes, say, sorry. And then it's like in this sort of mumbling, sort of, no, I didn't mean the thing that I said, sort of a way. No, that's not good enough either. Mum and dad say, no, you need to look at their eyes. And I do this with my boys, right? You need to look at their eyes and you need to say it like you mean it. Right? As if they even mean it anyway, right? But that's what you say. Then they look at their eyes and say, I'm really sorry for stealing your ball or whatever it might be. And then they go away. They never meant it anyway, right? But, but you're trying to teach this concept that you must be sorry. Well, something doesn't quite add up with that, that equation, but we try and get the message across that, you know, there needs to be a sense of forgiveness. Um, fact is that as adults, uh, even though the scenario may change, even though the things that we're conflict over, in conflict over, may be a little bit different, we still do this. Um, I don't know if you've got some photos up there, Simo. Now, often we, um, we, we like to try, we like to hold grudges, right? Because when we're a little kid, when we're a little kid, um, like when someone takes your ball, or, or does something so simple, right, even though, even though you said sorry, you're like, you don't really want to be sorry because you want to be the one that holds the grudge, right? You want to be the one that holds the high moral ground that, that, um, that you know, you are in the right. Because when you are in the right, you can actually do something later and it sort of cancels out the debt. Is that right? Like, you can actually, like, if someone, if you're a little kid and someone takes your things and, and even if it's, you know, you don't really want to forgive because later on you can actually take something of, your, of theirs and then it's sort of, then you're cancelling out the debt, right? So, so you don't ever really want to be sorry. So you hang on to these grudges. Now, up there, the, uh, the, the little map of Australia we've got up there with uh, two different colours, Queensland being maroon and New South Wales being blue and the rest doesn't matter. Um, sorry those who came up from Tasmania. Um, I lived there once too. Um, Victoria, yeah, good. Um, grudges. Now you already know what we're talking about when I stick those colours up there, hey? You already know exactly what we're talking about. And you know what, sometimes it's actually fun to hold a grudge. You have a little bit of fun holding. In fact, this is probably one grudge that, I mean, there's some ladies here and some blokes I know that aren't right into football and I'm not right into it, but when it comes to, to a blue and maroon thing, I seem to, the stakes seem to get a little bit higher. So we go to the next slide there, Simo. Um, so now we're starting to get to know what is really happening here. And there's some grudges that you just don't want to let go. And in fact, if, for those people who are interested in state of origin football, um, or even if you're not, you still may recognise this next photo. Um, all right, that's unfair. All right, that should never happen. And New South Wales still owes Queensland for that time. That happened in 1991. All right, so that's 13, 14 years ago. But... New South Wales is still in debt over that. 
And he's a thug, that bloke. Hands up, just a show of hands, anyone actually recognise that photo? No, remember that time? Maybe I'm older than I thought I might have been. <laughs> oh, there's some, there's some brave hands at the back there from some great people. Okay. Um, all right, so let's go to the next photo. You may recognise this one a little bit. This is a little bit more of a recent photo. All right, that's unfair. All right, this bloke got sent off because someone else hit him. Like, and he got the send-off. That's unfair. New South Wales, you owe us for that. <laughs> okay? It's completely unfair. And I want to remember that. We will remember that. Queensland will remember that moment for a very long time. And even if, even if New South Wales does 10 other things, equally, no, it's still unfair. All right? We like... It's actually fun to hold grudges. Um, thanks, Simo. Um, but in other arenas of our life, we have a chuckle about this, but other arenas of our life, we actually like to hold on to grudges. We actually like to hold on to what other people have done to us. Because if we don't forgive, it sort of gives us that high moral ground of, well, well, then, you know, you've done all this and you did this, this and this, so I don't have to do anything. So you owe me. So, you know, it's this concept of that we, we are right and if we don't forgive, then we can sort of, we've got something on them because they've done something for us. I want, to, uh, I want to turn to a passage in the Bible. Uh, it's Matthew chapter 18. And in Matthew chapter 18, Jesus is actually explaining to, to his disciples, and so his closest friends, and to a few other people who are around, he's explaining to them how they should go about um, righting wrongs or sorting out differences, sorting out uh, conflict, and how and sort of and he starts to talk about the different process and he talks about you know if one person does something wrong then you should go to that person and he, and he and he starts talking about a few different things and he, and he finishes that sort of that sort of little passage of there in the scriptures in uh, in Matthew 18 but then after that is what's really interesting what happens after that is actually something that uh, is is pretty confronting uh, for for no doubt the disciples but it's also very confronting what Jesus says right here and I'm going to go through a little bit and so the story was, Jesus was just talking about how you should forgive and how you should sort of reconcile with each other and all this sort of stuff. And then Peter, so one of Jesus' closest friends, he pipes up at the end of it. And this is what he says. Then Peter, this is verse 21 of Matthew chapter 18. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times. So here Peter goes, well, it's all well and good to say, okay, if you've got a problem with someone, then you should go to that person and, and you know, follow the instructions that Jesus says. He said, but, but Peter is saying, but how often, how many times should you go about this? How often should I, should I forgive someone who sins against me? How often, if someone does something wrong, how often do I, do I just keep forgiving them? He says, like, even up to seven times, Peter says. But Peter's problem is probably the same problem that we often have. The presumption that Peter had was that when we forgive somebody, we're actually doing them a favour. We're actually, we're actually helping them out. We're doing them a favour and we're actually extending our goodwill towards them. And as we can see from what Jesus says after that, that's not necessarily what happens. Uh, when someone does something wrong to us, it's like, it's like they are in debt to us. Like if... If someone stole $50 from me, from me right now, I don't actually have my wallet and I probably don't have 50 bucks in it anyway, but if someone stole $50 from me, you would owe me $50, right? You are in debt. So when someone does something wrong to you, it is like 
you are in debt to them. When someone does something wrong to you, it's like you are in debt. And, and we sort of know this because even as a little kid, going back to the talking about little kids before, even as little kids, we often say to, to our children or someone would have said to us or even as adults, it happens as well, oh, you owe somebody an apology or you owe them an apology. I think you should go and apologise. And so there's this concept that when you have done something wrong to someone, you owe them. Or when someone does something wrong to you, you owe, they owe you. There's a debt. There's a, there's, a, there's a deficit going on here. They owe you something. And, and this is sort of the, this is sort of the um, I guess, the concept that Peter struggled with a little bit. Because here he is thinking, you know, how, how good do I have to be, you know? If, should, I, should I forgive my brother seven times? And Jesus, this is what Jesus says. And this is where it sort of gets pretty confronting. Um, you know, I guess, and Jesus says in verse 22, Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Or some translation actually says 70 times seven. In other words, Jesus says, you don't just give, forgive your brother seven times or, you know, a few times. You just keep forgiving. Now, right there, probably all of us go, well, if we've been honest with ourselves, we probably all just go, hang on, you think that I should just keep forgiving somebody who keeps doing bad stuff to me? Is that what you're saying, Neil? Well, it's what Jesus is saying. But when you look at when you look at what doing what it is, what it means to forgive, and what it means to for someone to do something bad against you is, you know, if we look at it in the terms of a debt, like you think about it, you know, if someone, like I said before, if someone stole fifty dollars, will they owe you fifty dollars? Uh, if if you if you go to work and you're say twenty minutes late, then the boss could easily say, you know, you owe me twenty minutes, because right? you've done so. You you know what I mean? You have this concept. Um, if someone has, says some hurtful comments to you, maybe a partner or maybe a friend or, or someone random says some hurtful comments to you, they owe you an apology. And so there's a concept of debt that's, that, we, that we all sort of know but maybe not think about. Even people who, who maybe physically hurt someone, you know, physically assault someone, you know, we often say that that person now owes a debt to society and they, they go to jail to pay their debt to society. So there's a concept that the sin is actually, or this, this wrongdoing, this negative thing that someone does to someone else actually puts them in debt uh, and they owe and so here Peter like I said before he's sort of starting to think along oh should I do a favor but Jesus turns it around a little bit and let me explain and this is what Jesus says verse 23 therefore the kingdom of heaven is like okay so Jesus is making up this story but he's saying this is how spiritual things work this is how the God stuff happens this is how this is the big picture and this is how it really operates he said this uh, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. Okay, king, lots of money, all that sort of stuff, wants to settle accounts, wants to, wants to sort stuff out. As he, uh, as he began settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Now, 10,000 talents is just a stinkload of money. All right, so it's just, it's like, it's like he owed him millions. He owed him more than he was worth. He owed him more money than he could ever think to repay in his entire life. Okay, this is a made-up story, but this is what Jesus is saying. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who owed uh, 10,000 talents. So he just owed, this servant owed the king a stink load of money. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. Okay, think about that for a little bit. So this guy who owes a, just a crazy amount of money, 
the king drags him in and says, right, I have time to pay up. And he's like, I haven't got it. And he says, well, in order for me to get at least cut my losses and take what I, at least some of what is owed to me, he said, I'm going to, I'm going to sell everything that you own. I'm going to take possessions of everything. He's basically gone bankrupt, this guy. He takes every single thing that he owns. I'm going to sell all that off, try and, try and reclaim some cash. But not only that, I'm going to sell you and I'm going to sell your wife and we'll may as well go with your kids as well. So he's going to take every single thing that this bloke has ever had and he's going to sell it in order to sort of cut his losses and reclaim at least in part what was his. Verse 26 says, the, verse, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him and cancelled the debt and let him go. What didn't happen here? Let us talk, let's have a little look at what didn't happen here. When, when, when the king talked to this servant, and the servant is obviously just like, he's like, uh, I'm stuffed. I, I, like, I, I'm about to lose absolutely everything. Not just, not just physical possessions, but I'm about to lose my wife, I'm about to lose my kids, and everything that we have ever got, everything that I ever owned is about to be smashed and taken away from me. He's, like, his whole life is completely ruined. And so he has no option, but he falls on his knees before the king, and he just begs the king, and he says to the king, like, please, 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 don't, don't, don't do this. Um, I'll, I'll repay it, I promise I will. Now, he had no chance of repaying it, but he's saying, I'll promise, I'll, I'll, I'll do my best, I'll repay this stuff. And the king takes pity on this guy. The king realises, and the guy realises that he has nothing to give. He has, he, he, he can just, all he can do is beg. And the king takes pity and has mercy on this guy and says, I'll tell you what, debt cancelled. He didn't actually say to him, all right, I'll tell you what, we'll come up with a bit of a payment plan. Um, you know, you, you work for me for, you know, the next 10 years or, or you, you, how about you sell everything and, and all right, we'll keep your wife or... He didn't come up with any sort of, well, how about you give me a little bit and, and, you know, and then let's work on the rest. What he said was, I will just cancel your debt. You get to walk away free, right here, right now. That million and million of, millions and millions of dollars is completely wiped free. Pretty awesome. Uh, verse 28, but when, the servant, um, but when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. In other words day's wages, a couple of hundred bucks, something like that, okay? He said, um, he owed him a couple, he owed him a hundred denarii. He grabbed him, began to choke him, pay back with, pay back what you owe me, he demanded. So here's this guy who's simply just walked out from the king's presence where he's just been cancelled millions and millions of dollars and he walks out, finds a bloke who owes him a couple of hundred bucks, nearly chokes him to death uh, and says, pay back, pay back time. Okay, clearly this bloke's not quite with it. His servant, uh, his fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay you back. What did the first servant say to the king? Exactly the same thing, all right? So this is the point. This is where it sort of, this is where it hits, hits you know, hits the bullseye, hits the middle here. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant, uh, sorry, be patient with me and, and I'll pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay back the debt. Not sure how that works, but that's how, what he did. Uh, when the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went out and told their master everything that had happened. So in other words, the other guys who were just looking on said, we just saw him being forgiven millions and millions of dollars. He walks out and finds a guy who owes him a couple of hundred bucks and begins to like, near chokes him to death and says, and demands that he pays back the couple of hundred bucks that he owes him, gets all angry, throws him into prison. And so they go back to the king and they said, uh, you know that, you know what just happened here? The master called the servant in. This is the king, the master. The master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I cancelled the debt 
of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have, this is, a, this is a line here, underline this, shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had over you? And in anger the master turned him over to the jailer to be tortured and he should, until he should pay back all that he owed, which was for the rest of his life, of course, because he didn't have any. Um, then he goes on to say, this is, how, this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. We like to hold on to debt. We like to hold on to the, what people owe us. We like to actually, it's actually, you know, we, we enjoy that. Uh, a few years ago, uh, this is a Tasmanian story for you, Jess. A few years ago, uh, we moved down to Hobart and we were, not long after we just got married and we didn't actually have a lot of stuff, as in we had hardly any. It was all just like borrowed gear or something that we found on the side of the road. That was our furniture, you know, all that sort of stuff when you're starting out. And the, the most prized possession I had, uh, and probably the biggest purchase I had except for a car, uh, was a stereo that I bought when I was at uni for $650, okay? So I, I, it was a, you know, at the time it was a pretty fancy stereo, and that was the only good thing that we really ever had. Anyway, so we're renting this house one day, and well, we're renting this house, and then one day I came home from work, and I'd came home about five or ten minutes after Sarah had, and as I walked in, the, I just walked in the door, just walked up the door, and Sarah met me at the door, and she had tears in her eyes. I'm like, oh, you know, like I haven't even done anything yet. No, joking. Um, I walked in, I went, oh, what's the matter? And and she said, oh, we've we've been robbed. Like someone's broken into our house. And sure enough, you go inside and the whole place had been trashed, like every part of the house, had, you know, drawers out, stuff turned upside down, every, every area of the house had been, had been, had been trashed and they'd stolen my stereo because that was the only thing that was worth stealing. And then they'd taken a few other things like CDs, which Sarah was always bemused about why they'd take country CDs, but um, they'd taken CDs and they'd taken um, a few bits and pieces, but mainly the big, the big ticket item was the stereo. And, uh, and the first thing it is like, hang on a minute, that's not fair. Whoever did this owes me. Whoever did this owes me my stereo back. Like, I want my stereo back. Like, that's not fair. Of course, bring the police, they come, um, do a few fingerprints, all this sort of stuff, as they do. You know, then we're left to clean everything up. Uh, nothing, I wasn't insured, like, because we didn't actually have anything, because insurance premium probably was more than just that one stereo, but, um, so we didn't have anything insured. Uh, and, and the police gave us this little incident report, incident ID number. Anyway, that was fine, and they said, look, and on what they actually said, I said, did you have the serial number of your stereo? And I said, oh, I do. And I remember writing it down, and I stuck it on this little slip of paper inside my wallet, and I'd kept it there for years, but I looked through my wallet, couldn't find it, and I must have put it somewhere else anyway. I thought, they said, well, if you find it, ring us up, put it on, ring us up, and we'll put it on the initial report. That way, when we find it, or if we find it, you'll be able to get your stereo back. And I'm thinking, yeah, like, as if you're ever going to get a stereo back, right? Because, like, it's gone, it's sold at a pub somewhere or, or whatever. Um, someone's smoking it. Um, a few days later, I went down to cash converters, down the, down the road, Bell Reef cash converters, and I walked in there, and because what I'd actually done, on some of the CDs that were taken, I'd actually put my name on them. Because when I was living with mates before we were married, you know, I used to have them all together, so I had my name on them. I thought, I wonder if someone would be dumb enough to take the CDs down to the local cash converters and try and hock them off. I mean, I don't know how I'm ever going to prove it if they were, even though my name's on it, you know. Anyway, I thought, anyway, so I'm flicking through all these CDs. Some looked right, anyway, I couldn't really put anything in that, so. But I turned around and thought, oh, while I'm here, I may as well have a look at stereos, because now I don't have a stereo. And so I turned around at the stereo rack, and I just went, that's my stereo. <laughs> and here's my stereo sitting on the rack. I thought, that's, I'm sure it's my stereo. Like, it's, it's the same model, it's everything. I was like, that's my stereo. Like, they've just walked down to the local cash converters and hocked it off at the local... Like, 
they're dumber than I thought. Like, like, here's my stereo sitting there. Like, I'm going, wow. But I thought, well, maybe it's not, maybe it is. Anyway, I thought, now I've got to find that number. Anyway, so I found my serial. I did actually find the serial number. It actually was in my wallet. It was all sort of scrunched up. It had been there for too long. It was this little, little thin thing of paper. Pulled it all out, and sure enough, could still read the number. And so I went back over to, the, to the, my stereo, and I was going to check the serial number to see if it was actually was the right one. And, and just as I was about to do it, the, a shop assistant comes and says, oh, excuse me, what are you doing? I told her the story. And I said, oh, I just want to check it just to see if it is. And she said, oh, you're not allowed to do that. I said, oh, why not? I said, well, if you, if you think it's yours, you have to go and get a cop. And, if, you know, and then you can check it together because, you know, you could write it down. I said, oh, fair enough, all right. And I said, well, here's my serial number. There's the serial. I said, no point going to get a cop if it's not mine. Can you check? And she goes, hmm, okay. So she checks it. She looks at this piece of paper, looks at the serial number. And she walks out the back to management. About 10 minutes, I'm sort of sitting there. And she walks back in, she hands me back the piece of paper and says, better go and get a cop. And so I'm thinking, right, so first of all, the person who stole my stereo owes me, right? The person who's, I'm, they, there's a debt to be repaid here. Now it's cash converters owes me, because that's my stereo, and I've somehow got to get this stereo back off cash converters, and I don't know how this is going to work. So I went down and got some reinforcements, got border police, uh, police officer up, went through the whole deal, and they had a, they had a conversation for about half an hour, because it, it was a bit sus, because it wasn't on the initial report, blah, blah, all this sort of stuff. Anyway, so eventually he said, all right, fair enough, looks legit, but you're going to have to take a detailed statement, all this sort of stuff. Went down, did all that, all the police stuff, and that took ages, but um, they said, look, I said, so can I get my stereo back? And they said, no. I said, oh, why not? They said, well, if it goes to court, because obviously we've got ID for this person, if it goes to court, then we're going to need your stereo to use as evidence in court. I go, no. Well, how long is that going to take? They said, oh, well, it just depends when we find it, you know. Like, it's like, I said, well, what do I do? They said, well, every month, just ring up. Just ring up once a month and, uh, and just see how it's going. I think, hey, I just want my stereo back. Anyway, so I was doing that. So about three or four months in a row, I just ring up, Neil Redmond, here's the ID number. Oh, yes, Mr. Redmond, no, we haven't caught, we haven't caught the person yet. We went to visit, but she wasn't home. Like, oh, come on, like, you know, you've got to, you've got to, anyway. Long story, three or four months later, we had a car stolen. Yeah, good neighbourhood. Um, Fingerprints, all this sort of stuff, found it anyway, got it back, and, they, and there's this other guy who, who had a few more stripes on his shoulders um, who gave us another offence ID number, like this incident report number, and said, um, you know, here's your ID number, and Sarah was actually there, and she said, oh, we've already got one of these, and told her the story. Because now at the moment, I'm just thinking, the person who stole it owes me, Finally got it off uh, cash converters. They sort of, okay, they've cancelled their debt, but now the, now the Bell Reef police station owes me because that's where my stereo is, right? I want, I want my stereo back. You know, we love to harbour this, like, people owe us. When, something, when someone does something wrong to us, they owe us. And to finish the story, um, this, this, this guy, this sergeant, the senior sergeant detective, whatever he was, he said, um, he said to Sarah, he said, oh, you, so they still got your stereo? And Sarah said, yeah, yeah. And he said, hey, they shouldn't do that. And Sarah goes, oh, what do you mean? They said, all they had to do was take a picture and you could have had it back that afternoon. Like, and we're just going, oh, you know, like, crying out loud. Like, anyway, so tell your husband to ring him up and say, Sergeant so-and-so, you know, said that they just had to take a picture and he's coming down to pick it up. Anyway, the next morning when I got the message, I, I rang up and I said, oh, it's Neil Redmond speaking. I was like, oh, Mr. Redmond, come in straight away. You pick up your stereo, right? He said, yep. But people owe us, right? When people do something bad to us, they owe us. And that's the sort of thing that we like to try and harbour and that's the sort of thing that we like to hang on to. Here in this passage, it's about cancelling debt. Here in this passage, now, now I don't want to be unsensitive and I, and I want to be as sensitive as I can because there are people in this room that have experienced stuff that I would not even imagine and would probably never, will, will never happen to me. This might be stuff that's happened to you that, that's never happened to me. And I want to recognise that. And I want to recognise that that can be, like, 
that typically when that, some of that stuff happens, when, on whatever level, whatever, whether it's a stolen stereo or you've, you know, someone broke your thumb, your, your fingernail playing basketball or whatever it is, or it might be much, much deeper than that. That, that, that there are levels of hurt that we find it, and as the more hurtful it becomes, the harder it is to forgive. And that's normal, and that's okay. But here, Jesus says, I want to release you from that. And he says, and I'll tell you what, he says, I want, to, I want you to cancel the debt. I want you to cancel the debt from other people just as I have cancelled the debt on you. And we can only really see that. We can only really understand that in light of the cross. It's not, if I told you that, you'd be just going, no, that doesn't make sense. Someone's done something so bad to me that I can never forgive. But in light of the cross, in light of, and I don't know when it was, I don't know when it was that Peter may have picked up that Jesus was actually talking about Peter being the wicked servant, because that's what it was. Who's the king in the story? It's the heavenly father. Who's the wicked servant? It's the person like Peter, he didn't say it was Peter, but it's the person like Peter who decided enough's enough. I'll forgive seven times, but that's enough. But, Peter actually, but Jesus actually says to Peter and the rest who are, who are listening, he says, it's about cancelling the debt. And no matter how many times people do something to you, it has never been as bad as what you've done to me and the sins that you've already perpetrated towards Jesus Christ and the price that it had to pay that Jesus had to pay in order to cancel that debt. When we... When someone sins against us, we're talking about a debt. Let's say this is us. Let's say this is, this is, this is one of you, this is me. We're up here, right? And this is somebody else who does something bad to us. When someone, when someone does something bad, someone steals your stereo or something like that, often we think, okay, now they're in debt. But let us tell you, it's not really that they are in debt as much as now they have something that we don't, something of ours. So actually, we are the one that loses out. Do you understand that? Does that make sense? So, so we're both on a sort of ever, even, let's say we're both on an even keel, we're both on an even level playing field here. But when someone takes something of ours, they now have more because they've got our thing. And it may be, it may be uh, something physical, it may be something emotional, and it may be something, you know, whatever it is, but when someone takes something from us, they now hold something. They now have something that we don't have. Who's losing? Who, who here has less? And sometimes we like to hold on to that grudge, but the more people sin or, or do bad stuff to us, the less and less and less that we have. And, and we are the one that misses out. We are the one down here. We are the one that carries the baggage into all arenas of our life. Because we are the ones that are operating in it down here because, because people have taken stuff for us. They're up like this, they're going up and we're going down. And it's not until we forgive. It's not until we actually say, you know what, no matter what happens, we'll forgive that debt, that it actually brings us back to a healthy place. The more people do bad to us, we get pushed down. And, and I think, you know, that's... There's two reasons, obviously. Jesus wants us to be like him and he wants us to forgive those debts. But also, there's a, a large part of it that when, when we don't forgive, we are the ones that are losing out. We are the ones that are operating on a, on a lower level, on a lower scale. 
failure to forgive, um, failure to forgive actually begins to destroy our lives. Now, I know, like, I can guarantee there'll be people in this room just going, but Neil, you don't understand what I've been through. You don't understand the things that I've had to put up with to see or the things that have, people have taken from me. And you know what? I don't understand. And I don't, don't profess to even say that I'm even, even close. But the Bible's pretty clear. Jesus was pretty clear. That whenever we hold on to sin, whenever we hold on to a grudge, whenever we hold on to what someone else has done to us, then we're the one that's missing out. And it's only the forgiveness, it's only the cancellation of that debt that's going to bring us back into a, into a healthy place. And in fact, it's even worse than this, and, I, and this is pretty harsh, like, and, this is, and I wouldn't say this, um, but the Bible says it, so I'm going to have to say it. But if we look at verse 35, um, well, verse 34 says, in anger the master, that's the king, uh, turned him over to the jailers, that's, the, bad, that's the, the wicked servant, turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. Verse 35 says, this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. Not just pretend you're sorry, but you truly give your, your, forgive your brother from your heart. In other words, Jesus is saying, you, if you don't forgive, I'll come after you. Like, because I want you to... Now, that just seems heartless from God's perspective. It seems so hard, it seems so difficult. Like, how could I ever... And, and many of you, maybe, there might be things that have happened in the past that you just think, how could I ever forgive that person? I will never forgive that person. I'll never forgive New South Wales, that's just me, but that's, that's about as deep as I get. I'm not a real deep person. But for you, it might be something that's, how could I ever forgive that person? But whatever you haven't forgiven, you're, down, you're, operating, in a, you're operating on a level that's, that's substandard. You're not where you need to be. You're not where God wants you to be. Three things. And then we finish up. When someone does something bad to you, think about it as a debt. And think about it as something specific. Because often we'd say, oh, Jesus, you know, forgive me for all my sins. Or, yeah, I forgive everyone. And, but you know what? It's not, it's not that general. When people take something, when someone takes a stereo, it's a stereo they've taken. I don't want something else back. I just want my stereo back. Or it's whatever it is for you. It's specific. When people do something bad to you or, or hurt you in some way, it's specific what they do. And you think of that specific thing as a debt. And a debt to be cancelled. Forgiveness is a, is a decision, not a feeling. If we wait until we feel like we can forgive, there are many things that you just will never forgive for. There may be some things we go, all right, now it's enough room, you know, enough water under the bridge. It's been a couple of years now. Yeah, look, I forgive you now because I feel like I forgive. No, forgiveness is not a feeling. Don't wait till you feel like you can forgive. It's a decision. It's something your mind is going to have to do. And you may still feel, and you will still feel, potentially, all the hurt and all the pain that goes along with forgiveness. And that's all right. Uh, I'm not saying that you shouldn't feel that. I'm not saying it's wrong to feel that. You still will feel that. But once you've cancelled the debt, you're able to begin to heal. You've got to decide to forgive, not wait till you feel like you need to forgive. And you've got to, you've got to let yourself go. It's not, it's, not, it's not doing a favour for the other person. It's really got nothing to do with the other person. Well, it has, but it hasn't. You know what I'm saying? It's, got, it's, it's to do with you. It's to bringing you back up to that level where you need to be. And the other thing is, once you have forgiven, then don't bring it up again. 
don't drag it up, don't hold on to it, don't sort of just like, don't just have it at arm's length, just, just, or just in reach so that if ever they do something else, it's like, well, oh, I will remember now, you know, I forgave you once, but I'm not going, you know, like, and they drag all the old stuff back up and there's a whole list of things. Back in 1991, I remember when Wally Lewis had to go up, Mark Guy, you know? Let it go. That's hard. That's pretty tough. wish it was just simple. Simply spray onto the surface then wipe it clean with a damp cloth and sponge. I wish it was that simple. Sometimes it's not. And I understand that it's real hard. But at the same time, our Heavenly Father has said, you know what, I have gone through. You think about what Jesus did for us. You know, even just after, just after this story, Jesus, not too long, not, you know, not too many days later, Jesus goes up to Jerusalem and in Jerusalem, there's an innocent guy who's never done a single thing wrong in his life, who actually came to help the whole of humanity, who was tortured, public humiliated, and then hung on a cross. And it's that same guy that was trying to help those people back then, 2,000 years ago, that has done it for you, even though he knew that you'd do all sorts of stuff to him, that you'd, you'd offend him in many, many different ways, and that you would continually do it even though you knew that he loved you and even though you knew the right thing you'd say oh well just one more time he still forgave the debt you know even if you think about the 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 lord's prayer you know forgive us our debts literal translation forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors that's that's the language that's what he's talking about you got to, the forgiveness is the forgiving of a debt so i'm just going to pray for you now and just maybe ask that there may be something, whatever's in your mind, there might be stuff that you haven't let go, there might be, maybe you're like, maybe state of origin is as deep as you go, I don't know. But there's, I, I think in all of us there's something that's much deeper than that. But there's little things if we started to think about the seriousness of, you know what, I want to forgive people, I want to be released myself, I want to let that go. I don't want to be stuck in this forever. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you so very much that you loved us as you have. I want to thank you so very much like this story goes that you are the king who just forgives millions of dollars worth of debt. That you are the king who forgives us for millions of sins that we commit so much so we could never repay you. It doesn't even work but we could never do enough to, to right the wrongs that we've done to you. And that we sat you on, you know, on that cross, nailed to that, to that tree. We were the one that put you there. And yet you just forgave us. Like just, not just pay back a little bit but you just forgave everything. And I pray for your sake and for our sake, our own sake, that we can forgive others, seriously forgive others, that we can be a decision. And even if it's not something that we can do right now, it's something that we can start to think about and it's something that we can take seriously and that we won't be stuck in that arena of being the victim. As right as that is, but we will actually, with your help, take on that forgiveness. Thanks, Lord. Amen.